Well, good afternoon, everyone. The H1B Guy here. And today, the H1B Guy Live, September 14th, 2022. Discussing USCIS declaring all employment-based visas have been used for fiscal year 2022, as well as taking your questions and comments. But before we get started, I'd like to ask you, if you haven't already, to please subscribe to the H1B Guy channel here on YouTube and like this video so that I can continue to produce more content like this for you. I also wanted to mention that H1B Guy offers a variety of consulting services. I help businesses and individuals solve complex work authorization issues in the work authorization process while bringing awareness to employment-based immigration benefits. If I can help you, please reach out. I'd love to hear how. You can book an appointment directly with me via the h1bguide.com. Today's live stream is brought to you by Syndesis and Path to Canada, the ideal plan B for high-skilled immigrants currently located in the U.S. whose status may be uncertain, by perm-ads.com, the industry leader in providing a seamless experience for employers and immigration attorneys, navigating the complex perm recruitment ad phase of the labor certification process, and by Mob Squad. Are you a technology professional that is facing U.S. work visa-related challenges? Don't leave your fate up to chance. Our partner Mob Squad has a solution. Join the squad. Well, good afternoon to all of you. Really appreciate you taking time here this afternoon uh, to jump in here on this live stream. Uh, the last week and a half or so has been a lot of what I'd say not so great news in the immigration community. Um, and we could even go back a, a little bit further, kind of to mid-late August um, and the update of, you know, the H-1B lottery being uh, met, the, the numerical allocation being met for fiscal year 2023 as well. Uh, the continuation or the lack of continuation in immigration reform um, and what seems to be really a lot of uh, uh, dissemination of information that's that's going on. Um, immigration continues to be on the back burner uh, as it relates to overall um, reform. And, you know, the interesting thing when, when we look at where we are here, it's hard to believe that uh, we're a little over two years removed from the hotly debated, uh, you know, S-386 um, that was going on back in, in August of 2020 and kind of had continued uh, through September of 2020 all the way to December of, of 2020. And, you know, unfortunately, in the immigration world, when we look at reform as a whole, you know, not a lot has changed. There's been a lot of different standalone pieces. Uh, there's been attempts to include Im immigration and in, in reconciliation. Uh, so there's been a lot that has been going on. Numerous lawsuits have, have kind of come and gone. Uh, but there has been a lawsuit that's that's been pretty interesting uh, to follow. And uh, last week, after you know news was breaking about the possibility of um, EB two becoming unavailable, and then shortly after that, the October visa bulletin posted, um, and then shortly after that, USCIS went on record and confirmed, clarified that there would be. 200,000 employment-based um, visas available for fiscal year 2023. Uh, there's just been what I'd say a, a lot of moving parts. And as we kind of dissect through that, the lawsuit that I, I'm referring to, uh, the Madhavan v. Jadu and Blinken, um, had an update. And back on September 6th, there was a declaration of Andrew Parker. And for those of you who may not be familiar with Mr. Parker, uh, Mr. Parker is the branch chief of the residence and admissibility branch, otherwise known as RAB, within the Office of Policy and Strategy, OPNS. Uh, at USCIS. And, and this is a post that he served in, you know, this capacity uh, since October of 
2019. So really going back to uh, the Trump era administration. But in uh, this update for Madhavan, uh, Vijadu, and Blinken, um, Mr. Parker is on record in providing a, a significant amount of data. Of course, the source of this information, there's a link in the description. Um, but there's some of it that's highlighted that I do want to repeat here and, and kind of add some context around. Because uh, I think it's very interesting as we look at the retrogression that happened in October, kind of the why around that. And you know, I think this will give some insight to a lot of your questions around what do I foresee in terms of uh, forward movement for EB2 for the rest of the fiscal year, since there was over 900 plus days of retrogression in both final action and dates of filing. Uh, so from this declaration, quote, it says, while USCIS and Department of State have used all available EB2 visas for fiscal year 2022, the office total for VCUs by applicants chargeable to India in EB2 category will be published in the Department of State annual report uh, of the visa office for fiscal year 2022. USCIS notes that as of September 6th, so this is last week, as of September 6th, uh, 2022, there are no visas remaining for applicants from any country of chargeability in EB-1 or EB-2. Applicants chargeable to India EB-2 um, in the category received at least 2,786 visas between September 1st, 2022 and September 6th, 2022. So again, that's India EB-2 received almost a little over 2,700 visas um, in the first five days of September. Through August 31st of 2022, um, EB3 Indian applicants have received 12,460 visas and are on track to use approximately 12,700 visas. While USCIS has adjudicated many India EB3 applications during fiscal year 2022, a large portion of the reduction in inventory as compared to November 2021, when retrogression happened, for those of you that may recall, um, is also due to applicants responding to the more advantageous EB2 final action dates and transferring their pending applications from EB3 to EB2 category. So this downgrade that happened in October of 2020, November of 2020, December of 2020 is now an upgrade that began happening when retrogression in EB3 took place back in November of, of 2021. The declaration goes on to say, quote, to be clear, there are not enough visas remaining available to provide one to every applicant with a pending adjustment of status or immigrant visa application who has a priority date earlier than the final action date for their country and category in the visa bulletin. USCIS has prioritized all visa available petition approved applications for adjudication. These efforts were successful and such new findings and transfers of underlying basis. If we remember, they went out three or four times um, pleading for individuals to request this uh, exception and transfers of underlying basis. Um, these requests have resulted in additional approvals in EB2 category, primarily for applicants from India with older priority dates from previously approved EB3 petitions that are retained and applied to subsequent EB2 petitions. So again, there is your, your upgrade, right? EB3 to EB2. Uh, USCIS expects that the Department of State will within the week make EB3 visa, visas unavailable for further issuance. Uh, and by the way, I checked the visa bulletin for September earlier today, and they've not updated the categories as, as they're mentioning here in this declaration. EB1 and EB2 is, is unavailable, um, nor have they updated EB3 to show as, as unavailable. Uh, continuing on with the declaration, quote, USCIS expects that at some point before the end of fiscal year 2022, the Department of State will similarly make EB-4 visas unavailable for further issuance or adjustment of status approvals. Again, same thing. Check the bulletin earlier. 
um, before going live. And, and these categories were still showing um, with priority dates. So as noted immediately below, the lack of visa availability will be temporary, lasting only until the start of the new fiscal year for most for applicants in most categories, um, which I thought was really interesting, you know, when they, they clarified that. So this was the day before the bulletin came out, which is alluding to that retrogression that happened in, in EB2. Uh, the de declaration continues to say USCIS also notes that having a pending adjustment of status application is such a significant benefit to non-citizens that advocates have encouraged the agency to allow hundreds of thousands of applicants to apply for adjustment, even though visas are not available to them and it would not result in their becoming lawful permanent residents. So let me repeat that because this is very important. USCIS also notes that having a pending adjustment of status application is such a significant benefit to non-citizens that advocates have encouraged the agency to allow hundreds of thousands of applicants to apply for adjustment, even though visas are not available to them and it would not result in their becoming lawful permanent residents. So advocacy here has created um, oversubscription and in turn oversubscription created the need for retrogression. So um, currently uh, the, the FOD is adjudicating 96% of employment-based adjustment of status applications. And in August of 2022, the agency-wide processing time for EB2 and EB3 adjustment of status applications combined was 21.7 months. At, and that was at the 80th percentile. So again, agency-wide processing times for EB2 and EB3 adjustment of status applications combined was 21.7 months. And for EB2, the August 80th percentile processing time was also 20 uh, 21.7 months. And for EB3, it was 21.4 months. And some interesting data that was also included in a, a graph here, um, it, it went through USCIS and Department of State visa use through October 1st, uh, 2022. And these numbers are, are really interesting. So for EB1 India... Um, the total VC use through October 1st, uh, 31st, 2022 was 20,936. For EB1 China, it was 11,082. Uh, moving on to EB2 India, okay, through August 31st, 2022, the VC use was 57,214. Again, 57,214 for India EB2. China EB2 was 8,393. And then wrapping up the EB3 numbers for India was 12,460. And EB3 for China was 6,366. So the interesting thing when we start to look at, okay, what do some of these numbers mean um, in, in totality? Well, it, it still is showing that a, a, a pretty significant portion of the spillover visas uh, are going to, to India and China, right? Primarily, they're going to India and China. Uh, but in combing through the data, and they, they, they gave a 2016 example um, in this, uh, this declaration, and it said that a little over 80% of all available visa number use went to rest of world. So 20% to India and China, 80% to, to rest of world. So there is a lot to unpack here. Um, I definitely want to, to get into this a lot. Um, for those of you that, you know, kind of keep up with, um, with this channel and, and this platform, um, I think this is really telling. It's really telling on, on a few fronts. Uh, which is, to me, saying that the, the next several months don't really have a, a very positive outlook um, as we look at, at what forward movement could possibly look like. And so um, I just wanted to ask you, if you haven't already, please make sure to like this video, um, that you're subscribed to the H1B Guy channel here on YouTube, uh, and that you click the bell for notifications so that you're notified anytime we go live, like I have here this afternoon on September 14th, 2022, um, at a little after 3 p.m. Eastern. 
Um, I do see some of your questions and comments already in the chat. Please feel free, um, you know, let me know what you think about some of this data that, that I've just shared with you. And, and that is USCIS knew by the end of August um, that most of September was already going to be unavailable uh, by September 6th. And I think that that's really interesting because uh, we saw some, some data that was coming out that was showing the oversubscription. And that data combined with, you know, right from the declaration of saying that um, due to the significant benefit to non-citizens that advocates have encouraged the agency to allow hundreds of thousands of applications, uh, that to me is, is, is a little scary. Uh, it, it's scary in the sense of what it means for uh, EB2 and, and EB3 categories, really India specifically, but but China as well. Um, and, and you look at EB1 now, which has consistently been current, consistently been current going back to um, spring of 2021. And yet, even in September of 2022, uh, all number use was fully utilized um, in EB1 as well. So this declaration, you know, it leads me to believe that that USCIS now is is on record and and publicly stating um, that they will have used the two hundred and eighty thousand plus uh, employment based visas that were allocated to them for use in, in fiscal year twenty twenty two. So with them going on record last week stating that they should have two hundred thousand available it begins to to really lead down some conclusions here of what, what that's going to mean for uh, EB2 and EB3 in India specifically in, in terms of forward movement that may or, or may not occur. And it, it really feels like, um, it really feels like there's going to be just a huge pause here. Um, I don't, foresee any future retrogression in like November or December. Um, I, I have not checked, but I'm assuming that it's already public. I will um, definitely pull that up right now just to find out. I, I'm assuming that the dates of filing are, are currently being accepted um, for the October bulletin. Um, I was going to, to see what USCIS was on record as stating. I'm sure they came out with that last week. I just, I haven't checked. Yeah, so I don't see for October for employment-based, they are accepting dates of filing, which continues with the, the recent trend over the last several years. Um, and and again, that, that leads me to believe that's good news for some folks in, in EB3. Um, maybe even some, some China, uh, EB2 category specifically. Um, but for the rest, you know, again, it, it presents its own set of problems. So, um, definitely want to, to jump into, to a lot of the questions that I've been receiving over the last several weeks. Um, you know, one of the questions that I've been asking a lot is around 2015, um, been getting asked a lot throughout 2015. And a week ago, I would have been pretty confident in stating that I felt like 2015 would have been current for India EB2. Not not just January 2015, but like February or March of 2015. Uh, but then when we see almost three years of, of retrogression, it doesn't lead me to believe if we go back and compare... Uh, what happened with EB3 last year, specifically for India and China in November, um, which saw roughly around three years of retrogression. Uh, it really wasn't until July that there was forward movement in, in either of those categories. And so this has a very similar feel. The oversubscription is very concerning. Um, of course, you know, the... The, the downgrade, the upgrade, the inner file, the transferring on an underlying basis, like all of these things that have gone on 
have just created a lot of the anxiety and hysteria because ultimately you're trying to do what's best and have the best of both worlds to take, um, you know, a quote from, from, from the chats with Charlie sessions that, that went on, uh, where, where he talked about, you know, downgrading from EB2 to EB3 was the best of both worlds while, while that case was pending. But now many of you have been caught in that or, you know, asked to, to, to upgrade past. So, a lot of interesting things going on. Of course, I think the most interesting when we look at, again, a lot of the calculations, right? Like, hey, how long do I have to wait for my priority date to be current? And, you know, I think that the thing that, that I've always talked about is um, when we look at, at dates, I've always felt like the date that your priority date comes current is a good gauge for those who are waiting for their date to come current. And so when we look at, you know, going by India, EB2, final action dates, we're back to that 3,800 days again. And for any of you who've kept up with this channel or watched this platform for any amount of time, this, this 3,800 days, 10 years, six months, um, that's been the calculation that I've used for many of you who have asked me, when do you think my priority date will be current? And I still think this still holds true. This 3,800, we saw a significant reduction of this because of the extreme advancement that happened. And a lot of that goes back to this declaration where, again, they stated, uh, have encouraged the agency to allow hundreds of thousands of applicants to apply for adjustment of status, even though those visas were not available. Um, that's why we saw that number drop down to 3,200 even in, in some instances. But here we are back to what I would say is a more realistic determination, which is 10 years and six months, 10 and a half years right now. Uh, for those of you in India, EB2 waiting on um, your your priority date to uh, to come current. Again, that's just final action. If we were to calculate dates of filing, um, you know, again, that is only a month difference. So what are we looking at? Uh, you know, roughly 10 months, uh, 10 years and five months, 3,805 days. So again, here's your accurate estimate, which is a, a little under 10 and a half years from when your priority date was issued to when your dates of filing is current and you could be eligible to apply for your adjustment of status. Now, for those of you that were December 2014, January 2015, and, and got in, right, there is um, a, a very telling, again, a very telling um, from this declaration that says, to be clear, there are not enough visas remaining available or pro provide one for every applicant with a pending adjustment of status or immigrant visa application who has a priority date earlier than the final action date for their country and the category in the visa bulletin, meaning April 1st, 2012. So anyone that is after that, you know, to be clear, as they say, there's not enough visas um, remaining available to provide one for every applicant. So I think that this is um, kind of foreshadowing of a very minimal movement um, in India EB2, which I know can be very frustrating for many of you. Um, but also China kind of in the same boat, right? They didn't see the retrogression, but you start to look at the numbers. You look at the oversubscription in China. Again, that date sitting 2000, January 8th, 2019, um, which uh, again, not nearly as long of a wait, right? If, if we talk about comparisons uh, where you've got, you know, 10 years, six months, for final action on India EB2, uh, whereas China, you know, shows a little bit different. If I will run that calculation right now, it shows 1,211 days. So three years and almost four months, roughly for China. And we've long estimated that that's hovered anywhere between four to five years. So here you see a little bit lower demand um, for EB2 China with Again, it did not experience the retrogression, not oversubscribed, um, you know, as as similarly as, as, as India was kind of leading into uh, the the end of the fiscal year. So 
I would definitely want to get into your questions and comments. If you haven't already, please like this video. Make sure you're subscribed to the H1B Guy channel here on YouTube. Uh, click the bell for notifications so that you're notified anytime we post new content here to this channel. Um, of course, if you're looking for ways you can support the H1B Guy platform, you can do so currently through the Super Chat function. Um, if you're watching or listening to this at a later date through YouTube, there is a thanks feature. Excuse me. There are also ways um, that you can help produce the H1B Guy uh, platform um, via the link in the video description. Um, any contributions, of course, are reinvested back into the technology of this platform. I've got a few things that I'm working on that I'm really excited about that I should be rolling out uh, really between now and the end of the year. Uh, but it is good back. Good to be back with everyone. It's been almost 20 days, roughly, um, since I had my last live stream and, and Q&A. Um, the last live stream I held was I was joined by um, Jessa and, and Nicole from uh, uh, Mob Squad. So if you haven't had a chance, check that video out, please. Um, it was a great 30-minute conversation. Uh, for those of you looking to, um, you know, not leave your fate up to chance, please uh, feel free to uh, to check that out. If you have any questions around that, you can reach out to me uh, directly. Um, so I wanted to start out with a question that I got before the live stream started from Ravi. Uh, Ravi asked, what's the possibility of January 31st, 2015 being current in fiscal year 2023? um based on the family based spillover of, of 60k uh also what's the remaining eb2 eb3 india e inventory with uscis and last question what's the duplicate percentage out of the remainder of eb2 eb3 um i've seen estimates on the duplicates uh that that range uh anywhere in in kind of the the, the low twenty thousands to even a little bit higher than that somewhere in that 38 to forty thousand range um Back when the downgrades started in October of 2020, um, I heard estimates as high as 80 plus thousand. Um, so you're seeing kind of a lot of back and forth here amongst EB2 and EB3, the, the, the downgrade upgrade game that's being played. Um, but January 31st, 2015. So what you're asking is, will India EB2 that is currently April 1st, 2012, find its way back to where it ended fiscal year 2022. And I don't feel like it's going to, unfortunately. I thought we would be to mid, like July, August of 2015, even maybe towards the end of 2015, by the end of fiscal year 2023. Very clearly, I was wrong on that. This oversubscription is playing a huge part in it. Um, the hundreds of thousands of applicants, as uh, Mr. Parker kindly refers to, is absolutely playing a factor in it. Um, I don't think that 60K spillover is going to have as huge of an impact as we've seen in the last few years. But the good news, um, for fiscal year 2021, USCIS processed a historically high 180,000 this year. Um, based on the data that they're telling us, this declaration, right, legal binding document, they're going to process over 280,000 employment-based visas. Uh, it's incredible. So it tells me that they have the capabilities of processing the 200K that would be remaining. Um, so hopefully as, as we move closer towards the, the middle part of the year, maybe in that May, June, July timeframe, maybe then that's when we'll see some forward movement begin to creep back in, in EB2. But great questions, Ravi. Um, NSYNC asked, what are the chances of priority date reaching September 2014 in fiscal year 2023? Yeah, again, I, I feel like, um, I don't feel like the chances are very good, unfortunately. Um, very clearly I was wrong in how far I thought the dates would move into 2015. The retrogression happened and it was significant. It was almost three full years. Um, and that leads me to believe that for us to get back to even September, 2014, um, hopefully there is a fair amount of duplications and, you know, hopefully we will see some, some advancement that could potentially happen. Um, you know, starting again, as soon as 
maybe spring time frame, as I said, May, June, July. It could happen a little bit earlier than that, but I'm not really hopeful. Uh, I'm, I'm really feeling like we're going to see India EB2 hold for a significant period of time. The good news, though, for those of you out there who um, keep up with this platform and follow my forecast and predictions and grades, know that I've been wrong on EB2 a significant period of time. Um, so I would say, <laughs> hopefully I am wrong and there is advancement, right? But good question. Um, Sarvesh asked any prediction for priority date for August 2015. Yeah, I, again, <laughs> fiscal year 2024, 2025, maybe. I just don't feel like we're going to see the dates get all the way back to, to where they were at the end of fiscal year 2023. Uh, I hope I'm wrong. But it, it doesn't look like that when you look at the overall numbers that are available. And if you read between the lines of this declaration from uh, Mr. Parker. Yeah, you're, you're two to three years. Exactly. I, I mean, exactly, Sarvesh. It, it, it feels like um, it feels like if we're talking about a year, right, maybe 2024 for the fiscal year, calendar year, maybe that's in 2025 kind of that that spring summer of 2025 it, it's hard to believe that we're talking about two to three years now at this point when we saw literally almost three years of forward movement you know well over a, a thousand days um but great question sarvesh really appreciate you taking time to uh to join my live stream here today and um you know thanks for your your questions and, and your comments but two to three years feels feels right seems like you and I, you and i are on the same page here um in, in terms of what you're thinking um hopefully your h1b is in good standing you have your approved i140 you can continue to extend your h1b in three-year increments and do your best to um to to ride this out as as long as you can Hey, Kalyani, how are you? Um, do I think any EB2 priority date can be uh, June 1st, 2015 and 2023? I mean, yeah, I think you're in the same boat as Sarvesh that I just talked about, uh, which is I'm thinking you're looking at 2024, maybe even calendar year 2025. So that means fiscal year 2024 as kind of a baseline and then maybe most likely into um maybe the beginning, a lot can happen in, in the next couple of years. There's absolutely a lot can happen. Reform could happen. Executive order recapture could happen. Um, we could see legislative action that could happen. But if we're going based on the numbers available and the trend that we've seen, you're probably looking fiscal year 2024 and calendar year 2025. Kalyani asks, is there new bill states that spill over uh, always given to backlog dates. No, the, the way it works is it's just flow down. It starts at EB1 and then moves down to EB2. Um, and the other thing is EB5, right? Where there was numbers available from EB5, which are not going to be available based on um, some legislation that, that passed uh, that allows that EB5 to be applied back to uh, the numbers that were available in EB5 applied back to um, EB5 specifically for these, the, the investor visas that are, that are coming back online. You're asking, so why Kalyani is asking, why are the numbers not sufficient? And, and you got 60 K in 2022 for, for EB2. Yeah. I mean, I, again, that number is 57,214 as of August 31st, 2022. And if we go back a little bit further up in, in the declaration, um, they said that they would be using 2786, right? So 27, 2786 plus that 57,214 uh, is exactly 60,000, right? And so we have to think if there is... 80,000 less remaining. What does that mean then for, for India EB2? Will we see another 60,000? And then we can start to look at the I-140 approvals. And then you've got to think about the spouses and dependents tied to that. So 
I, I think that India EB2 in totality for fiscal year 2023 will be less than the 60,000, uh, probably somewhere in the range of uh, 10 to 15,000 less, if I'm just kind of taking a guess right off the top. Um, you doubt these allocations are happening correctly? Well, I, I will say that that's a legal uh binding declaration as part of a lawsuit that was provided. So I would have to think they're accurate. Um, are they counting duplicates, upgrades and, and downgrades? No, they talk about that specifically in, um, uh, in this declaration. And we can go back to some of the, the chats with Charlie sessions where he talked about once the numbers counted in EB2 or EB3, if there is an upgrade or a downgrade, um that number then if it's not used is is it goes back into the the pool john asked by saying 3800 days are you telling the ebgc dates would continue to trend in a similar fashion yeah we can look at the data over the last couple of years john absolutely uh 2022 was an anomaly for eb2 that's why we saw the corrective action that we saw in october um, and quite honestly, this is where USAIS goes on record again and says um, that advocates have encouraged the agency to allow hundreds of thousands of applications to apply for adjustment, even though visas are not available to them and it would not result in, in their becoming lawful permanent residents. So the pressure was on USCIS to use that 280,000. Director Jadu went on and on and on about they're going to make every effort to use it. And here they are. And now they're saying that's why there's oversubscription. And that's why there was corrective action is because they pushed the dates forward so much. And there were the applications just literally flowed in. That's that's why we are where we are, John. But yeah, again, I think 3,800 days for India EB2 is a good calculation. So depending on where you're sitting, right, depending on where you're sitting, um, if you're sitting at anything after January 1st, 2015, you know, we could start to look at, at some of what that, that means in, in terms of, of wait time, right? And, you know, I, I think this is where we get into that calendar year 2024, Um Maybe even just looking at January of 2015, January 1st, 2015, okay, um, and, and where we were at the end of fiscal year 2022, okay, June 2025, based on 3,804 days, is when January 1st, 2015 by these calculations, just using 3,800 as a benchmark would be current. So I think that's very telling. And that kind of goes back to what I was saying when I was talking about June and August of 2015, is that you're looking at fiscal year 2024, calendar year 2025, May, June, July, on a lot of these 2015 dates. At least that's just what it it feels like to me, and again, I've been wrong. I'll be wrong again, but that's that's what it feels like. If EB2 I140 approved and tried EB4, EB uh, and tried I140 and EB3 and not approved, then what happens to the status? You sh still should be able to maintain that EB2, assuming that you have an approval on the I140. Can F2 uh, dependent apply for an F1 visa? What's the process? Yes, should be able to. Um, I'm not as familiar with the, the F1 application process, but if they are living here in the U.S. and planning on going to school, that's that's absolutely uh, the, the the path um, that, that they would need to take. And you would just apply to that as they are working through their, their college applications, uh, assuming they're doing an, an undergrad. Um, the university should be able to guide you in that that direction as well. Um, there's a lot of other sources and sites out there um, that 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 are more familiar with this than I am. Um, so I will defer to them. But yes, you absolutely can go from uh, F2 to an F1, I would assume.
you assume that those would have cleared the path for those waiting in later years, isn't it? So, well, again, it goes back to the oversubscription, John, and the numbers just quite honestly not being available. Simply Yanks asked, do I think priority date December 2013 will be current in spring or early in fiscal year 2023? Okay, so we're at April 1st, 2012. Um, my guess is this is most likely not. Not not in spring or, or early fiscal year 2023. Early fiscal year 2023 for me is October, November, December. Now, if you're going back to spring, again, if we see any sort of movement, spring to me, again, that's March, April, May. I, I don't see 2013 um, coming up. I think the dates will hold for, for April 1st, 2012 for the next several months. Um, that's just the way I'm I'm reading into this based on this declaration, based on the corrective action that happened. Um, and again, I know that was for India EB2. Um, so uh, just, you know, making sure that, that I clarify that. So do I think if uh, fiscal year 2023, India EB3 um, would be ahead of India EB2? If yes, do you think people will start downgrading the app and it may affect the India EB2? Here's this game again, right? Downgrade, upgrade, interfile, transfer on an underlying basis. All I'm hearing is dollar signs, application fees, filing fees, attorney's fees over and over and over. It's crazy. It really is crazy, Simply Hanks. It's 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 really crazy um, what's what's been going on here um, with the 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 constant. Uh, the constant shift, the whole who moved my cheese literally is playing out before us over the last couple of years, going back to that October 2020 bulletin. That October 2020 bulletin literally changed the game on downgrade, upgrade, inner file. It really did. Um, but you're asking me, do I think that India EB3 will be ahead of India EB2 um, by the end of the fiscal year. Uh, I think that that would make sense, but I also think they want to avoid this downgrade upgrade for the time being. So I think you're going to see the dates hold similarly. Although I do think that India EB3 will move forward coming up in November and possibly December and continue to do so in, in smaller increments. So like in kind of this month, month to 45 days, I think we'll see some inching forward in, in, in the EB3. So there, there is a possibility, uh, but I think it'll probably be pretty equal by the end of the year um, just so that they can avoid the, the back and forth. Uh, will April 2013 be current anytime soon? That's a great question. Um, kind of similar to the question earlier um, that I was just addressing for Simply Yanks on December 2013. Of course, your dates would most likely be current well in advance of that, right? Um, but when we start to look at, hey, well, where where does where does that put me? Um, you know, April 1st, 2013, September 1st, 2023, 3,805 days. So there's that, there's that dates of filing number, right? And exactly to the point. Um, so it, if we see movement, if it happens, if this 3,800 is a good benchmark and continues to be a pattern, um, possibly by the last month of the fiscal year, um, April 2013 could be current, but again, that's the dates moving an entire year, literally over the course of the fiscal year for, for that to happen. I think that that is possible, probably about as far as it would, would go. Nagendrask, is it possible to know how many applications are still in progress from April 2012? No, I, I, I'm sure there is absolutely a possibility of you to find that out, but I do not know that off the top of my head. Um, so I will, for right now, defer on answering that. But a great question. If you do find an answer or you find that data out there, I'd love to love to hear it. Filing date for India EB2 may reach 06. 01-2015 and fiscal year mid-2023. Yeah, I've seen some conversations around this, right? 
uh, Cagliani, where it says it's going to go back to um, 2015, you know, kind of in the midpoint of this year. But if that's the case, then you're talking about three years of forward movement that's going to have to happen um, in a very small window of time. And that's saying that they have they've cleared the oversubscription. The thing that we have to remember is that these numbers include spouses and dependents. And that's where it gets tricky is we can look at the I-140 approval numbers, but what we can't calculate are the spouses and dependents that would be qualified as well. Mystified asks, will EB2 for April 2013 be current anytime soon? And if I'm just going based on what I just said, Mystified, right? Um, I, I just answered it for you earlier, but I'll say it again. 3,805 days is September 1st, 2023. That's not a coincidence to me that the dates of filing for the October bulletin, May 1st, 2012, are exactly 3,805 days. Uh, Kalyani asked, can Ayla push uh, for removing family members in EB counting in the next few months for 2023? No, that's not the way the, the law reads. Um, Anand asked, will it go to August 2013 next year end? Yeah, so Anand, you know, that's a really good question. We look at August. If we're kind of taking this 3,800 days, right? What does that mean to you? Um, December? Maybe January 2024? Again, that's assuming we don't see a lot of crazy forward movement, but yeah. So there you go. August 1st, 2013. January 1st, 2024. So that would be fiscal year. Um 2024 and calendar year 2024 is again 3805 days so august 1st 2013 january 1st 2024 um is that 3805 days we continue to see this number popping up it's not coincidence i'm telling you it's not coincidence it, it seems to be this is um you know kind of the pattern that that they've been providing to us um and, and hopefully again we see some some significant movement that maybe happens in the back half of fiscal year 2023 if it starts to look more and more like what happened in 2021 where the date started to really move in in that april may june time frame um i'm hopeful um i know i'm not impacted by it but you know unfortunately um all of you who follow this platform and channel are and as I've talked about a good bit recently, it was one of the founding principles for um, the H1B guy, the H1B guy.com, the H1B guy YouTube channel um, was to try to help simplify for staffing and recruitment professionals, as well as high skilled immigrants, the challenges that are faced by H1B visa holders, high skilled immigrants looking to come to the U.S. and those that are already here. Um you know, as I've told you, I've, I've followed the Visa Bulletin now for, for over 10 years. And um, it's a moving target. And when I do my predictions, they're completely made up guesses. They're, they're for entertainment purposes. Do I try to be accurate? Absolutely. Uh, am I right? I, again, I picked 60% for all of fiscal year 2022. And a lot of that was because EB1 remained current, and there was very little movement across the categories other than EB2. Um, so it just continues. Uh, we continue to see a lot of mixed signals here. This declaration um, is, is very interesting um, from, from Mr. Parker. Of course, um, Dan is asking, just curious, do we take the Parker affidavit with finality? I've heard some people say some EBGCs are still coming out. That's USCIS legally providing a declaration of data that is accurate through in their reporting through August 31st of 2022. And until final numbers are put out by the Department of State and by USCIS, you can agree or disagree with it, but I'm going to say that a bureaucrat isn't providing that statement as part of a lawsuit, um, unless it's accurate.
Hey, Rama, my old friend, how are you? Good to hear from you. Um, I know you're not into the prediction game, but I know you've kept up with this channel and been a huge supporter of this platform now for almost two years, if not more. Um, what are the chances of Eagle Act or GC recapture bill passing this Congress? Thanks for doing this. I don't think there's a, a very high probability, unfortunately. Um, I wish I was wrong, but you're looking at midterm elections. You need bipartisan support specifically in the Senate from Republican senators. And unless those Republican senators are on their way out the door and willing to be part of a, a compromise, it's not going to happen. I hate it, but it's just it's what I believe to be the, the, the reality of the situation. Um, as I said last week, you know, it's, it's never been more apparent um, that reform for country caps quota on country of birth for employment-based visas uh, needs to be removed in lieu of a first-come, first-served basis. And even if we wanted to go down and, and look at applying some sort of points or merit to that, um, but something has to be done to clear the screen card backlog when you're talking about 10 years and six months. Um, and you're talking about people dying and waiting, right? Folks having heart attacks over the October visa bulletin because it retrogressed almost three years. Like, again, this is a humanitarian crisis happening in our backyard. And until something's done, Rama, we're going to continue to ha be having these conversations around speculation, me providing calculations on 3,805 days estimates. Um, it's unfortunate. I hate it. Um, I wish things were different, but unfortunately they're not. And, and I don't see any changes anytime soon. Thanks for tuning in, Rama, though. Good to see you, my friend. Hope all is well with you. Uh, Nagendrask, I-145 applied October 2020 zero updates. Where I see some I-45s got updates. Some of you moved to NBC before their priority dates. What's the criteria for case to be moved to NBC? Um, well, your case may be one of those that's buried in Kansas, right? <laughs> I say that jokingly, but it, it very possibly could. Um, it seems like there was a last in, first out mentality that's been going on. Um, I don't understand the logic and how they've gone about processing these cases. Um, but... I'm trying to get some answers with some of my contacts. I just, unfortunately, um, the process surrounding this is is highly confidential and uh, um, seems to be be very closed doored. So, wanted to ask you all just one last time, if you haven't, make sure you like this video, that you're subscribed to the H1B Guy channel here on YouTube. Um, if you're looking for ways to support the H1B Guy platform, you can do so through the super chat function currently. Um, or if you're watching and listening to this at a later date through the super thanks, if you'd like to help produce uh, content that goes on the H1B Guy channel here on YouTube, there are ways to do so in the video descriptions below. Um, have some cool things planned over the next couple of weeks, uh, so please make sure you know to continue to, to tune in. Um, if you are not already, please make sure you follow me on Twitter. Um, I have a Telegram channel. Uh, we have about 125 folks on that Telegram channel. Um, you can connect with me on LinkedIn. Um, follow me on Instagram, on Facebook. Check out the h1bguy.com if you haven't done that in a while. Um, I post all of the video vlogs that I do here, um, all the live streams, all of the content that I put out that has a written format to it is on the h1bguy.com. Uh, so if you haven't had a chance to check that out, please, I ask you to go check that out. It's a pretty basic blog, um, but it does have a lot of good content, a lot of uh, dated content now at this point. I've been producing content on that, um, on the h1bguy.com now since June of 2020. Um, so there is a significant backlog of, of articles, and uh, you can check out a lot of the messaging and advice and, and recommendations that, that I've given and provided over the years. But the, those of you who don't know, I am not an attorney. I am a tech recruiter who has 18 years of staffing experience and is an expert in work authorization, specifically dealing with H-1B visas. 
Anything that I talk about here is merely for your entertainment, right? These are entertainment purposes. These are opinions and advice based on my experience in work authorization and technology IT recruiting. Um, so I just wanted to make sure that that for those of you who may be new or haven't checked me out before, or fully aware of, of my background, um, would love to hear from you. So please feel free, reach out to me, connect with me. Um, but I wanted to thank everyone who took time here to join me today. What a, a great session that we had. A lot of great questions, um, a lot of unknowns as we move into the November predictions and what's going to happen um, really over the next uh, next couple of months. Um, but I will continue to do my best to keep my ears to the ground for all of you and keep all of you informed um, as much as possible uh, with, with the latest and greatest news. Um, Nagendra, man, I, thank you so much. Um, I appreciate the super chat, uh, super sticky, man. I, I thank you for your questions, um, and joining this live stream. I cannot do this without people like you and your support. Um, for those of you who continue to come back for me as your source of information, um, thank you. I cannot tell you how much your support means to me and how it keeps me going and motivated um, to bring you the latest and, and to, try, to try my best to bring clarity um, and provide recommendations and advice on all of your situations. You know, every one of you and your situation is important to me. It's personal to me. And I think that a lot of you know that and you have let me know that. Um, and your kind words and support over these last couple of years. Doing these live streams is one of my favorite things that I do. I know we don't do them weekly, but we do them all, all, two to three times a month, um, typically on Wednesdays. So please feel free. We're going to do another one next Wednesday. Um, so tune in. Hopefully we'll have a lot to talk about. We'll see what happens over the next, uh, next week or so here. Um, but for every one of you who dropped me a question um, or a comment, you know, I, I really appreciate it. Uh, one last comment I wanted to address. Dinesh asked about the second lottery. It did not happen. Um, USCIS came out and stated at the end of August that they had uh, fulfilled demand um, for the H-1B lottery. Uh, really interested to see <coughs> excuse me, what the overall issues look like and if we start to see denials or rejections based on um, too many applications. Uh, that would be a really interesting to th thing to see as USCIS selected over 127,000 applications uh, for fiscal year 2023. But right now, no second lottery, unfortunately. Um, it was something I was definitely wrong on. I, I thought there would be a minimal second lottery selection, and unfortunately, it didn't occur. Um, but this is where I tell you, if you don't have a plan B, we've got to look to my partner, Sandesis Path to Canada, Mob Squad. They are great solutions for those of you. Um, who are uncertain about what your future holds. Um, so please be sure to use those links in the video descriptions below. Uh, but with that being said, I do want to go ahead and, and wrap up here this afternoon. Um, again, letting everyone know that today's live stream was brought to you by Sandesis and Path to Canada. Uh, they provide an ideal plan B for high skilled immigrants currently located in the U.S. whose status may be uncertain. Uh, if you're facing an H-1B denial or OPT expiration, don't get caught off guard. Make sure you have a plan B and Synthesis and Path to Canada are your answers. They will gladly help you navigate the process. And if you'd like to find out if you qualify, please be sure to use the link in the video description below and someone from Synthesis or Path to Canada will be in touch. And also by my good friend Carl Ballsmeyer at perm-ads.com. They are the industry leader in providing a seamless experience for employers and immigration attorneys navigating the complex perm recruitment ad phase of the labor certification process. If you're looking to reduce your costs and overhead associated with perm labor certification recruitment advertising, let perm-ads.com help you. And by Mob Squad. If you're a technology professional facing U.S. work visa-related challenges, don't leave your fate up to chance. Our partner Mob Squad has a solution. Mob Squad helps technology professionals facing U.S. work visa uncertainty remain working with their current U.S. company nearshore from Canada and technology professionals from around the world uh, who are seeking an opportunity to find a rewarding career in North America. Through their partnership with the Canadian government, they can obtain a Canadian work permit for you and your spouse in as little as eight weeks. So whether you're looking to stay working with your current U.S. company or you want to find a new opportunity in Canada, 
please find out how the team at Mob Squad can help you via the link in the video description below. Join the squad. And like I said, check out that video with Jessa and Nicole that we posted back on August the 24th. It was a great 30 minutes, highly worth your time. As I mentioned, um, follow me on Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, join my Telegram group, uh, Facebook. Check out the h1bguy.com. But mostly, if you haven't already, please like this video, subscribe to the H1B Guy channel here on YouTube, and click the bell for notifications so that you're notified anytime we post new content here to this channel or go live like we did here today. I am Robert. I'm the H1B Guy. Uh, I just want to say thank you so much for your support. For those of you who made it through this live stream, I really, really appreciate it. The H1B Guy, your global source for all things H1B.